Shake the bottle, wake the taste. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Weird Thing About That, where me and my fellow players are given a subject matter and have to find the weirdest, coolest or funniest story about that subject. Players will be scored on their stories by our head judge and the winner will be revealed at the end of the episode. I'm Chris and joining me today, having just opened a brand new business selling mummy book plugs, Chucky. Yo. Judging our stories today, our head judge, Joe. <laughs> you alright there, Joe? Uh, yeah. I was just like, are they for mummies or for mothers? Those, yeah. I've actually got a line for both. <laughs> they could be mummy-shaped, but for mums. That'd be a fun thing. Think about it. I want £2,000 for 5% of this company. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. I'm want. out. <laughs> it's out. It's back in again, though. <laughs> and joining us today and for the next few episodes, we've got a very special guest all the way from Damn It Vince podcast. It's Ellis. Hello. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. How, uh, how's it going, Ellis? Good. You don't look very well. Thank you He's... for that. It's always a nice, to... <laughs> nice intro. <laughs> you look like shit. Thank <laughs> you for joining. No, obviously, Ellis is uh, <laughs> feeling a bit under the weather, but he still dragged himself here to help us out, so uh, it's good to see you. He is we're... trying to kill himself with orange juice, though, so that is... <laughs> <laughs> Joe, uh, can you please give us today's subject and how it will be scored, please? Uh, today's subject is France. Or things French as well. And you will be judged on the chat system, which is French for cat, not not that, which uh, stands for Comique Honourable. Action, Thomas. And who's going first? Uh, in honour of our new guest, Ellis. This will be a surprise to me as it is to you. In 1994, a 13-year-old boy called Nicholas Barkley went missing from his neighbourhood in San Antonio, Texas. In most cases, a disappearance like this would cause a big panic, followed by a frantic search for the missing child. However, in this case, no one seemed too concerned for the boy. You see, Nicholas was often unpredictable and violent, committing multiple crimes in his youth. And just before his disappearance, he was anticipating a hearing to send him to a juvenile delinquent home. Both his parents and the police figured that his sudden vanishing act was just him fleeing his difficult life for a day. But it soon became clear that Barkley hadn't just run away to avoid facing his consequences. After not returning home after a few days, a missing persons report was opened and the police began searching, but with no luck. Days became weeks, became months, became three years before the first sign of Nicholas emerged in the form of a phone call from a small Spanish village saying that Nicholas had been found alive and had been put in a youth shelter. The boy at first refused to give up his name, but he was finally identified as Nicholas from a photo from the missing persons registry. After his sister flew to Spain to retrieve him, his mother showered him with affection and his family gathered around to hear the tale of what had happened. Apparently while out playing basketball, Nicholas was kidnapped thrown on a plane to Europe, where he managed to give his captors the slip and escape to the safe hands of European law enforcement. Something about Nicholas seemed off, but his immediate family were so glad to have him back, they just put it down to his traumatic experience. However, some extended family members were more suspicious. How did he end up in Spain? Why is he now so calm and collected when he used to be such a cruel and angry boy? How did his eyes change colour? <laughs> <laughs> I would have led with that myself, but... Uh. <laughs> What's the deal with his newfound French accent? Nicholas had answers for the questions thrown his way, claiming the kidnappers changed his eye colour to avoid recognition. Shut Putting other things down to his ordeal, and anyway, Nicholas had three tattoos when he went away. 
and he's returned with the same three tattoos. Eventually, a private investigator got involved and the courts ended up demanding fingerprints and a DNA sample, from which it emerged that this wasn't 16-year-old Nicholas, but rather 23-year-old Frederick Pierre Bourdon, aka The Chameleon, a wanted French serial con artist who in his lifetime imitated over 500 people. Thanks to his thin frame and childish features, Frederick had pretended to be many children in the missing child registry over the years, so he could benefit from food, nice houses and a loving family. After Frederick was discovered, he was sentenced to six years in prison. Before he was put away, he claimed the Barclay family were the ones at fault for Nicholas's disappearance. He was certain they knew he was an imposter and used his return to cover up that they had murdered Nicholas. Many people, including the private detective, thought he was onto something, and they are still trying to prove what happened to Nicholas to this day. Gentlemen, you're a Buttles. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, I love that. It was like, yeah, and this and this. Also, his eyes were different. I mean, like, he had a, that isn't a thing, right? He had a third hand now. <laughs> Mademoiselle Barclay, <laughs> Papa, oh <laughs> man! Like, because I was when you started that, I was like, "How are we getting to France from Texas?" Yeah, man, yeah. It turns out, that's uh, how I felt. In twenty-three years, he's imitated five hundred people. That's like a few a year as well. It's prolific. That's you would have been well, like, what twenty-five to thirty a year, something like that. Is it? I don't know, Matt is hard. You must have been living at like several homes. Like at a cat. Yeah. 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 Like just, seven dinners, Sam, that book. Just yeah. close to the one who feeds him the most. And... <laughs> it's like reverse Mrs. Doubtfire at the end, isn't it? Like... <laughs> I think he's onto something, though, because I. No, because he's not. He's not, because he's shit at it, right? Because his eyes are the wrong colour, right? He's French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing you change more than anything is a thick French. He's two answer. foot shorter. <laughs> <laughs> got the tattoos though. That's the bit yeah, I was like, like why commit yeah. that hard? Why go? Oh, I'll copy it. Like first, they were all, probably like makeup or something. Because oh, they would stop so. him imitating other people in the future who that, didn't have tattoos. That's, that was my thing. So it was it like oh, just one last con, you son of a bitch? Because <laughs> 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 that's the only thing. It's like one big score and then I'm out. You can retire on this one. Yeah. Oh, I, I I'm gonna have to look up more of that now because it's. I want to see side by side pictures of them and see if they look <laughs> anything, anything like, like each other. Like, wow, you're two feet taller and <laughs> <Yeah>. French. <laughs> <laughs> Kidnap does this to a person. <laughs> Mama, Papa. I love how it's like, oh yeah, I was thrown on a plane by my captors, and then I enjoyed a nice flight to Europe, and that's where I stayed. Couldn't ring you at all. That, that would, you know, oh. for three years, I've three just been years, yeah. just been eating tapas and and living, <laughs> yeah, finding myself, eat, pray, loving. Uh, the Rioja here is great. <laughs> no, 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 not here. The Taverna Rover. It's... Ah, but we never... I mean, we're laughing, but also no one knows what happened to the actual... Yeah, that's the I, sad bit. I think the... Mr... Um, what was it, the chameleon guy was onto something. I think if they were so pleased to have him back and were just so ready to accept him, I think they probably did something to him and thought was like, this is the perfect cover. He's back. Or... Yeah. Or they were fucking traumatized because their, oh, their son was taken away and... Any hope is hope, isn't it? I suppose, but still, there's a lot to get over different eye colours. I mean, I mean, yeah, at that point, I would be like, hmm, hang on a minute. But, yeah. It's all Red Riding Hood style, isn't it? <laughs> Chucky. All right. The French are incorrectly known for being cheesy in Surrender Monkeys. 
when actually their history on the battlefield is actually very impressive. You think this would come from a history of strong impervious leaders who would emanate an aura of invulnerability. I mean, I would have thought that, until I discovered French King Charles VI. Charles became the King of France when he was only 11, but he wouldn't acquire rulership until he turned 21, instead delegating power to his uncles. When Charles did take control, he did a fair few good things to earn him the title of Charles the Beloved, though this wasn't to stick forever. You see, Charles was afflicted with a few issues that would now be identified under many of the DSM-4 mental disorder groups, but in 1392, in the position of king, the people around him were likely going to skirt these issues. One recorded story involving Charles occurred when he was just 23 after one of his friends, who was an advisor, escaped a murder attempt by Pierre the Crayon. Charles was insatiable and wanted Pierre to pay for his crimes, but after Pierre had fled to Brittany, the Duke of Brittany was unwilling to surrender him. Charles decided to march with a company of knights to Brittany, adamant to find Pierre. During the expedition, a leper ran over to the king's horse and cried out to Charles, Ride no further, noble king! Turn back, you are betrayed! The king's company dealt with the guy and kept him away from Charles, though he followed repeating his shouting for 30 or so minutes. This must have put Charles on, on edge, expecting something untoward to happen. So much so, that when a page boy, of unknown military rank, dropped a lance, the loud clang it made pushed Charles over the edge. Charles entered a fit of rage and yelled, FORWARD AGAINST THE TRAITORS! THEY WISH TO DELIVER ME TO THE ENEMY! He ended up killing five of his own knights <laughs> before he was restrained. After which, wow. he fell into a coma and was taken back to one of his castles. <laughs> These little blips in mental stability would later earn Charles the rather uncreative title of Charles the Mad. By 1405, his marble supply was well and truly running dry. He developed infected sores and was riddled with lice after he avoided washing for five months. It took forcible bathing to get him clean after the king's physician demanded it. But perhaps the most bizarre affliction Charles dealt with was that of glass delusion. Charles believed he was made of glass and would shatter if touched. To avoid a fate worse than Humpty Dumpty, Charles had his clothes enforced with iron bars and would often wrap himself in blankets. Charles VI was a bit of an odd fellow, but he has left a mark on French history that won't easily be forgotten, and is also the first documented case of someone having glass delusion. Gentlemen, your rebuttals. Yeah, I think they're only regarded to known as mad if they're from the mad region of France. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise they're just sparkling nut jobs. <laughs> that, Last no, delusion. I've never heard of that. That's, yeah, I when I first saw it, I thought this is the guy. This is what I'm writing about. Because it's it's kind of like, I, I always wonder how people get into that mindset of thinking. Well, clearly I'm made of glass. Like, there's, there's obviously been no evidence beforehand to suggest I'm made of glass because they haven't shattered Wait, up until that point. Right? Magnets don't stick to me. <laughs> There's only one logical conclusion left. I am. We are. Glass. He's listening to Gary Newman a lot as well. Yeah. It's... But yeah, I, I, I couldn't believe it as well. Just like, oh, casually strolling off to Brittany. So this and... to fight the, the what was it, Henry Crayola, <laughs> Pierre the Crayon. Oh yeah, which is French for Pierre the Crayon. <laughs> I can't. So the when he, I'm assuming he didn't have this glass delusion at the time he killed five knights because you probably wouldn't go into battle thinking you were made of well, glass. Well, precisely right. So which begs the question: Why the fuck would you start thinking I must be made of glass? Yeah. After you've offed five of your own guys. Well, I mean, this is many, many years later. 
Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, but, but if you've lived for 30 years thinking I'm not glass, why would you suddenly think I'm glass? Wake up one day, you know, you walk with all our days like that, and you think, today's the day. I'm going I'm to make the change. Yeah. <laughs> Sleeping in my one. bed of sand. Yeah. <laughs> I like the fact, well, I like the thing that, that, the fact that that leper wound him up so much, he's like, I'm going to fucking murder somebody. <laughs> I just like I find it funny that it was a page boy of all people that like kicked him over the edge, <laughs> dropping a lance. Like it must have been the fourth time he's done it as well. Like oh no, and then yeah, just off five people. Christ. But also the I I I, I think it comes down to the fact that they're royalty and so therefore mm. they're treated as sort of gods on earth. Yeah. yeah. And no one says no to them. And so you, I think you just see how far you can push it. I don't think the infected sores and stuff would have helped with brain problems mm, true and i'm guessing as a king he was putting it about the place or was probably suffering from several kinds of knob rot <laughs> which <laughs> might have made him think oh my god it's made of glass <laughs> i was gonna say you mustn't have had sex after that then don't you think you made a glass oh god no but <laughs> but you polish glass occasionally yeah you buff up that <laughs> covers himself in windoline and uh, gets people a rubbing with a with a, with a chamois got a this, this isn't anything sexual made of glass alright well in fact he was like I'll wrap myself in blankets and I was like oh crap am I made of glass because that's all I do at weekends on the couch <laughs> He sounds like a real pain in the ass. Oh, you can add like a little boing sound there if you want. You've just done it, mate. I don't have to. You saved me a job there, haven't you? I don't know. Um, Again, I think we should add him to our pantheon of heroes, to be honest. (laughs) Yes. He may have murdered five people, but also, you know, he was the first invisible man. (laughs) Is that where the Emperor's New Clothes story comes from, do you reckon? (laughs) Oh, it very well could be. And finally, Chris. Historically, the French are pretty legendary for using duels as a way of setting dis- uh, settling disagreements. In fact, Louis XIII granted around 8,000 pardons for murders associated with duels. Duels are dangerous, dramatic, and often done in the name of love, something that sounds quintessentially French. I'd like to talk now about my favourite duel ever, which happened in the streets of Paris in 1808. Or rather, should I say, over the streets of Paris. It involved two Frenchmen called Monsieur de Grandpré and Monsieur de Pique. Both had been secretly bedding Mademoiselle Tirevi, a renowned dancer at the Paris Opera. While she had been kept by Grandpré, she was seeing Pique on the side. It was decided that the winner of the duel would win her hand, and that Mademoiselle Tirevi would bestow her smile upon the survivor. The Frenchmen, however, decided that a normal duel would be too commonplace and unimaginative. <laughs> so, here's where the duel gets a bit of an exciting twist. The contest was to take place 2,000 feet up in the air, with each ma- man firing a blunderbuss at the other man's hot air balloon. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, the men weren't aiming at each other, but rather trying to pop the other's balloon, causing a deadly fall to the ground for the opponent. So on the morning of May the 3rd, 1808, in the Paris Gardens, four men climbed into two hot air balloons and prepared to take flight. You may wonder why each balloon had two people in it, and that's because each man was allowed to take on board a shotgun and a co-pilot, which must have meant that each co-pilot will have expected to die if their partner had a bad aim. The grounding ropes were cut, and the balloons ascended to the height of 2,000 feet and 80 feet apart from each other. To the sound of applause from onlookers, many thinking they were just watching a friendly balloon race. 
as is standard. <laughs> a signal was given from down below, officially starting the duel. The peak fired for the first shot, but amazingly managed to miss the target, which would prove fatal for him, as Grand Prix found his mark and collapsed Peak's balloon in midair, sending him and his co-pilot to their tragic deaths below. One, onlook- one onlooker described them as being dashed to pieces on a housetop. The Grand Prix celebrated by sending his balloon further high into the air past the clouds before returning to Earth to claim the hand of his love, the Mademoiselle Tiravi. Squid game shit going on there. Isn't it? <laughs> Gentlemen, your rebuttals follow the structure, Alice. <laughs> you knew here, so we'll let you off. Yeah. Only oh, once. I'll repeat. Squid game shit right there. I mean, <laughs> I thought it was a bit lame as a rab for a little bit of uh, I was, I was just it, like, uh, how do you go. Uh, Philippe, do you want to come in my balloon? <laughs> I'm all right, to uh, be honest, pal. Uh, I wouldn't tell them what's going on. It's like, yeah, it's just a balloon race. It's fine. <laughs> they've not even, they've just hired the balloons and these are just the guys, <laughs> the work experience kids. Yeah, go on. So I, take, I take this gun everywhere with me, that's all. 80 oh. foot, uh, okay, blunderbusses are not accurate, are they no, really? No, they're kind of like a like burst It's like shot, a scattergun effect, isn't it? Yeah. Of, uh, yeah, whatever they can fit inside the barrel at the time. And Yeah, oh, I mean... <laughs> I if they both oh. shot each other at the same time and they both just fell to the Well, I, I was thinking that was going to happen because that's a perfectly like legit thing to happen, isn't it? <laughs> Shit. And then Mademoiselle, what was it, Twinkie Twonk is just like, no, zut alors. <laughs> <laughs> Who do I smell at now? God, oh, yeah. Is it, yeah. it Grand Prix one? Grand Prix one, yeah, although Peak got the first yeah. shot off, he somehow managed to miss. And... It'd be great if he went, he went into the clouds, he was coming down, and then he saw her with the Glass King. <laughs> so he's gone through all that. <laughs> Seen the glass king. Oh, this man, man is made of glass. How can you compete? <laughs> Get in the balloon! Get in the balloon! <laughs> He'd pop it when he got. <laughs> I mean. Oh, fuck. Why didn't the glass king start fires wherever he wanted? Like in sunlight? There's so many questions I need asked. <laughs> he wasn't transparent. He just thought he was glass, alright. Oh, it's a serious mental issue. It is. It is a real thing, yes. Uh, I also like the fact that, yeah, they were just like, nah, just shooting each other in the streets, boring. <laughs> Balloons, what? I, I, I like to think that he spent a lot of time together, building up a bit of a, a friendship, maybe a bromance, and then finally settled on balloons. I reckon they both drew a list of 20. And just rolled a dice, like, and we're like, oh, man, it could have been crocodile fight, but we'll never know. <laughs> See, she's a prize dancer at, at the opera. This isn't just any dame. This, this isn't just a street brawl. This is... <laughs> but, I mean, like, how long does it take for you to go, yeah, the dancing's cool and all, but it's just not as interesting anymore. Yeah. You know, I miss my mate who I organised a duel with. <laughs> <laughs> Although Mr. Grand Prix did go on to organise uh, car races, didn't he, as well? Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. If we can have today's scores, please, Joe. I'm going to... It's going to be a tie between Balloon Fight 2000 and The Glass King, I'm afraid. <laughs> Unfortunately, Ellis, yeah. Uh, I know that wasn't wasn't your story. Um, but, I mean, what's, what's better than a man made of glass or two idiots firing guns <laughs> at each other in... in um, the, the Montgolfier brothers would be proud of you, yes. I uh, put a mini contest out on Twitter to ask people to guess some of the subjects that we were going to be talking about, and uh, someone correctly answered France, and that was our good friend Lee, so shout out to Lee. Uh, If you want to get involved, follow us on Twitter, at WeirdThingPod. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Weird thing about that.
that's normal behavior that's just what people do 